This week's episode, I speak with Chris Norris, who is a 24-year veteran of the Navy with over a decade devoted to providing direct combat support to naval special warfare operations in unique and demanding environments. Chris's distinctive qualifications include military freefall jump master, high-speed boat captain, and master training specialist. He is a veteran of multiple deployments in support of Operation Enduring Freedom and anti-piracy operations off the Somalian coast. Chris also spent numerous years dedicated to health and human services within the Navy as a drug and alcohol program advisor, safety chief, and sexual assault response coordinator. Now, what you may not know about Chris Norris is that he is a survivor of alcohol use disorder with over 20 years of continuous sobriety and recovery. He is an avid enthusiast of wellness practices with an emphasis on meditation, mindfulness, exercise, and nature. Chris Norris earned his Bachelor of Arts in Human Services with a Substance Use Disorder Treatment Concentration from Southern New Hampshire University He is the father of two beautiful daughters and the husband of a wonderful woman he met from Thailand. Chris retired from the Navy in 2021 and is living in Thailand where he is pursuing a graduate degree in social work from Arizona State University and Mindfulness Self-Compassion Meditation Teacher Certification. When Chris is not busy studying homeschooling his children, or relishing daddy duty, he can be found meditating in a yoga pose, running ultra-endurance events, gravel road biking, hiking jungle trails, exploring the mountains, forest and coast, gardening, rice farming, Enjoying good food, good coffee, and appreciating the wonder of it all. This episode is powered by Acuity Benefit Consulting. Retaining military veteran talent is critical to your bottom line. So give them a specialized resource for the benefit that they value most. VA Disability Compensation. Acuity provides an in-depth one-on-one educational session on VA disability benefits curated to the needs of your veterans. Go to www.acuitybenefitconsulting.com to learn more. Again, that is www.acuitybenefitsconsulting.com. This is where it's at. What is the difference between being sober and simply not have an alcoholic beverage for eight months? Or is there a difference? Yeah, I mean, there's. A, I mean, I think that recovery begins when abstinence begins, for sure. And it, that was my experience. A lot of people will, and it's okay. Like, um, there's like harm reduction stuff now, where people like we we meet people where they're at, and some people will continue to partake and and perhaps get to abstinence someday, and perhaps not, but. There is a difference. So, like, when I say, like, I was 
like dry but not sober, that basically means that I was physically abstinent. Like I stopped taking alcohol into my body, but I didn't do any of the work to heal any of the underlying condition. So it would be like I just stopped, which is pretty good. I mean, it's still like at least perhaps like less damage is going to occur, you know, because I've stopped this maladaptive behavior. But at the same time, if I don't do work to figure out like what like what was going on, why did I ever pick up a drink at 11 years old and start drinking? I mean, I, I was drinking alcoholically from the time I was a very young man until, you know, into my, yeah, all the way into my 30s, really, because I didn't stay sober for long in the military. I, I joined with eight months of not drinking, but once I graduated group boot camp and then graduated technical school, I picked up a drink again and I was off to the races and I, and I stayed drinking and it got worse and worse and worse for another decade. When it comes to recovery, do you ever reach a point where you can say, I'm good. I've got this. Not saying that you won't ever be tempted, but that you've pushed through a proverbial threshold where you feel the struggle isn't so difficult any longer? Yeah, I think it's really individualized for every person, you know. For me, I was in the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous for like 10 years, and then at some point it just stopped speaking to me, and I started to look for other pathways. So <clears throat> I got into like Buddhism and, and Buddhist-type recovery programs, but I mean, I don't know. I, for me, there's always got to be an element of recovery. Like, I don't feel as though I'm ever, like, fully recovered, you know? Like, I don't feel like I'm ever going to be like, all right, I'm good now, and I don't do, need to do any more of these wellness practices or anything like that. Like, I think that's that's never going to happen because it's just not. And it's not like, but at the same point, like, it's just, I don't know. It's some somewhere along the line, the obsession of alcohol, like, leaves and for me, and it, and it hasn't come back. But I don't want to, at the same time, I can't let my guard down and get too, too comfortable. Whereas, like, I still need to watch, like, what, you know, like, what drinks are being served at a party or something like that. Like, I'm mm -hmm. certainly not like, oh, I could probably just have one because that's insane. I know I can't. <laughs> because the, um, <clears throat> the obsession and the physical allergy, like, especially the physical allergy, I don't think that's ever going to leave me. Like I said, like, in the beginning, I never, I never drank normally. Ever. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what that is. Like, right. first time I drank, I was off to the races. So, I think even though I haven't had a drink in 15 years, if I had one today, it would most likely spark the phenomenon of craving and I would want more and more mm -hmm. and more. And wow. I may lie to myself and say, like, oh, I got it under control, but <clears throat> eventually it's going to rear its ugly head and some bad shit's going to happen. And it normally doesn't even happen to me. It'll probably be happening to the people around me. So, yeah, I'm good, man. I can, uh, yeah, I feel like I could uh, go the rest of my life and never have to partake in alcohol again. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this, because this, this is what I feel like I'm seeing or, or and hearing from you is mm. that what, what has taken you, I guess, through that threshold. I mean, I don't know what else to call it, but like, is for you, it sounds like that it's a, it's a change of life, like a change of lifestyle. Because you're doing, like, I remember when I first was like, oh, I need to talk to this dude and have him come on the podcast, was you were doing that, running a hundred miles, I think is what it was, for a cause. Yeah. Um, so you were running, or, and still, so this is what I, what I know of you. You run like crazy, 
You're out in nature all the time, running or something else, meditating, uh, mindfulness, um, just all of this, like, which I think is awesome stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not so awesome that you're going to find me running because I'm, I got too much of a belly to be able to do that. But I mean, you're doing all of these amazing things and maybe they came about as you were trying to shift your focus from alcohol to something else. I don't know. But would that be a fair, a fair comment or a fair statement to say that you have a new lifestyle now and it's focused on these other things? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so like, there's a saying of like the only thing that needs to change is everything. And that was kind of like what it is because like if you stay in a uh, maladaptive coping mechanism like alcohol use disorder or substance use disorder, like life tends to get built around that whole entire thing, that activity. So when I stopped, the first thing that came uh, to, to, to the surface was, wow, I got a lot of time on my hands. You know, if you realize like how much time I spent intoxicated. Well, that was any time I wasn't around work, I was most likely drinking. So now it's like, well, I got a lot of time on my hands, so what am I going to do with all this time? And, you know, as they say, like, idle, whatever, idle hands is a devil's plaything, kind of. So, yeah, I had to focus on, on getting active again and getting back into some hobbies and things of that nature. So, it all started for me with motorcycling, actually. I got back into the stuff I started, that I gave up for alcohol, I got back into that stuff. And I gave up, like, motorcycles early on. I remember I sold one, of, you know, my last motorcycle when I was drinking um, for for more alcohol and, and other things, um, and I got back into that. So I had a little extra cheddar in my hand. I bought a brand new motorcycle, but since I hadn't had the recovery piece, I still like I could do anything to an unnatural level. So like I even rode that motorcycle to an unnatural level. I put sixty thousand miles on it like quickly, <laughs> and then um, yeah, it just it just. I just got into things I, 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 I gave up and I got back into all that, but I, I tended to do them on an unnatural level. So like we could say the same with running, you know, and there came a point in my running where I was like, what, like, why am I doing this? Why do I, do I need to do this? Can I never run again and be okay with that? Or am I validating myself with this? Am I, you know, so, um, yeah, now my running looks a little different, but I did get into running because of sobriety. I definitely did. I was on a deployment in the Navy. I was out on this deserted island, basically, <laughs> called San Clemente Island off the coast of California. And um, there's not a lot to do out there on your off time other than drink and, and fish. And I wasn't interested in either of those. So I bought a pair of running shoes. I bought a, a water bottle and some nutrition. And I decided I'm going to train for a marathon. And then when I did that marathon, I stood at the finish line, felt great. And I was like, I think I can go farther. So then I trained for an ultra marathon. And then one thing led to another. And now we are, here we are seven years later. And I've done uh, a few 50 mile runs, a 100K run, a 100 mile run, a few dozen 50K runs. I've got a 40K this weekend. And so, yeah, I'm having a good time. Yeah, just it. And all those runs, too, the majority of them are, are on trails, in the mountains, and beautiful terrain. Like, I got to do a 50-mile race in the Grand Canyon. That was fun. I did another 50-mile You got race. to? Yeah, I got to. <laughs> to me, that crazy. might be a have to or was voluntold to. <laughs> no, no, no. We get to do this today. So, <laughs> we have the 100-mile ride. I did that in Japan, and that was for a 
nonprofit called Addict to Athlete. And I did that uh, as a tribute to a great man called, his name was David Clark, and he was a 320-pound alcoholic, drug addict, fast food junkie, turned his life around and became a, a massive ultra runner and inspiration for a lot of people. But he had passed away um, a couple of years ago now in um, during complications from a uh, surgery. So, uh, yeah. So I decided, hey, I'd never done the 100-mile distance. What a, what better way to honor David Clark and to raise some money for Addict Athletes? So I, I trained for it and did 100 miles, and it was uh, it was really hard. <laughs> I bet. Because I remember seeing a lot of your posts. I remember it was in honor of somebody, but I could not remember who it was. But I remember seeing a lot of your posts, and you um, some of them you would even be talking as you're running. And I'm like, dude, don't do that. I'm just thinking, you're doing 100 miles. That's already a lot. But you want to try to talk while you're doing some of it in Japan, too? Come on, man. But I think right. that's awesome. I, I really do. Mm, um, thanks. I, I really do. And so, now, I heard you mention, um, as you were listing, listing some things that you were doing, that you mentioned uh, you mer- mentioned some practices from, from Buddhism. Is that is that your um, like religion of choice or spirituality of choice, or is yeah. that just something that you were trying at trying out a certain time? No, nah, so I, I yeah, so I married a, a Thai girl, and she's born into Buddhism, and I'm in Thailand now, so it's like ninety eight percent Buddhist here, and uh, so it kind of fits. But I was in it. So I got into it kind of from her, but it's also, um, I wouldn't say, I still don't feel like I'm a religious person, but I am a spiritual person and just the, the tenets of Buddhism kind of speak to me. So, okay. I, yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's a, this is a great place to be a Buddhist. I have a, I have a Buddhist temple right behind my house. Like literally there's like monks living right behind my house. There. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, so it is cool. Um, You'll hear him chanting in the mornings sometimes, uh, yeah, and stuff like that. So it's cool. You hear him chanting, and then you'll also hear this the unmistakable sound of a broom. You always hear them sweeping. Oh, when you said unmistakable sound, I was like, oh my god, what? <laughs> it's a, it's, a, it's always a broom. They're they're chanting or they're sweeping <laughs> or sleeping. Oh, All right, or maybe sleeping a little bit. I don't know. But they're they're on quite the. Not quite the schedule because I've ha- I've been woken up at three o'clock in the morning by them getting up. You can hear the bells, boom, boom, boom. The bells go off, and then about fifteen minutes later, you hear chanting. So I think they wake up at three and they start chanting. They'll chant for hours and hours at a time. What do you do for a living? I sleep, I sweep, and I chant. Yeah, <laughs> hey, it works. And they live off the charity of the people. So you see monks, and they they literally walk around town a lot of times barefoot in their orange robes and they have their their basket their bowl i should say and people mm-hmm. make offerings to them and make as they say make merits and they mm-hmm. give them what they need to, to live on like they awesome they're not working i mean they're not they don't have a side hustle or anything i don't think they're not i am going to tr- trust that god's my provider yeah it um, is cool <clears throat> so I think the last question I'd ask you um, for this would be, you know, for anybody out there who is, you know, it's not 2 a.m. on a Tuesday morning and 
they don't think that they have a drinking problem or maybe they wonder but not enough to go um so here's what i like about that whether you are a christian monk or a buddhist monk or a nun to have that type of devotion to your god to where you set everything aside and solely trust on god and not your own labor labor or anything else that's dedication right there What would you tell that person? What if, if I'm out? If I drink all the time, or what? Whatever the setting is, whatever the environment is, or mindset is, what would you tell that person? Like, if you drink, if you if if drinking is your is all you think about, then here's your sign, or whatever. Like, what would you tell? Yeah, that I, well, I would say this is um, why don't you try to stop? Just stop drinking for ninety days. And if, if just that statement of me saying that and you thinking about stopping drinking for 90 days, like, makes your heart jump a little, that might be a sign right there. <laughs> um, seriously, so, like, maybe maybe just give it up. Give it up for 90 days. Give it up for a year. And then um, you could always try again and see, like, have a few drinks and then stop and do that more than once, you know? And if you can successfully do that without any uh, upset or if it's difficult, then that might be something to look into. Um, yeah. I mean, there's there's plenty of people that do assessments out there. And there's, like, I want to get rid of the stigma that, because there's such a stigma around it that no one wants to do it. Oh, I'm a, you know, the word alcoholic or addict or any of that is like, it's like, you know, it's a thing. It's a medical condition. Like, Like, no one's... No one's harping on or, 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 or just making disparaging remarks about the person that perhaps has diabetes or has cancer or whatever. Like, these are things that, like, it's just, it is what it is, man, you know? And the more we can just get rid of that stigma, the better off we're going to be. So I'm a person that's trying to help that by openly saying to people, like, I'm a person in long-term recovery from an alcohol use disorder. So, do I look like, do I, I mean, like the picture of an alcoholic or an addict, it's like, they're everybody, they're everywhere, they're in every walk of life, from Park Avenue to the park bench, like, (laughs) there's alcoholics and addicts everywhere, and they're people just like you and I, you know, and, um, yeah, so, and there's life on the other side of it, there's a great life on the other side of it, once you sober up, and and do what you need to do to, to heal the underlying conditions. It's been a great life, man. I have a great life today. So You know, and there's something that I think is key that people do need to, to hear from that too, that you said earlier is that is the identity person or the identity aspect of that. Um, I am like, not, I am an alcoholic, but I am Tiffany and I struggle with and then you fill in the blank, whatever your thing is. I think that's key too. I think that's probably why there's so much of a, a stigma with a lot of these issues because we think that it's our identity and because we think it might be seen or viewed as our identity or we don't even know, even if, even if it's a, a thing of, I don't even know what my real identity is. So this is what I'm going to do. No, drinking too much maybe is what you do, but it's not who you are. 
Right, right, yeah. Very powerful. It's very, very powerful, whatever we put after I am. So we really mm-hmm. need to be careful with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Those are like those affirmations. So we say, right. like you're saying, like, I am, I am, I am. So like I said, I am a person, first and foremost. I'm a person in long-term recovery from alcoholics disorder. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to put that label on me, that's fine. But I'm also mm-hmm. other things like I am a meditation teacher. <laughs> I yeah. am a cognitive fitness coach. I am a veteran. I am a father. I am a husband. I am a great person doing the best they can today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Whatever that looks like. And that's, 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 uh, that's for me, that's something that I've used. Um, for me, like I, I, not having it as an identity thing saying I struggle with depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. I am not a depressive person. I'm not an anxious, like mm-hmm. those are not my identity, but those are things that I struggle with. Yeah. So, all I can do when it comes to depression and anxiety, all I can do is say, you know what? I'm going to give today a hundred percent. If that, if I give a hundred percent today and that doesn't look like what I wish it looked like, can I, and I sit back and say, did I give a hundred percent? If I gave a hundred percent, there's nothing else I can do. It may not be at the level I wish it were, but I gave my best for today. And that's yeah. what we have to look at. I think. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, the awesome. question that I would ask you too, um, it, when you finish your, your schooling for social work, mm-hmm. is this mm-hmm. something that, um, that you're going to go into of, um, helping people with the same type of struggle or what's your focus I think yet? So I think it's, it's kind of my cup of tea is, is, is working with people with substance use disorders and, and addictions and, and process addictions of that nature. Um, yeah, I think so. I think I'm going to most likely stay in Thailand and utilize my education and my life experience and my, my passion to, to help people and, and hope I, you know, I think we're getting to a place now with the pandemic where it's a lot more in person and face to face things are happening here. So yeah, that's something like I, I just want to combine my passions to help folks. So it's going to be like, you know, I'm big into meditation. I'm big into the outdoors. I'm big into uh, physical activity. I'm now getting into things like uh, cold immersion and things like that, heat and cold uh, immersion. And then, uh, yeah, my education and just, uh, yeah, try to help some folks. That's all I want to do. That's awesome. (laughs) It really, I, I really, you know, that is Two things I think I'm taking away from from talking with you today is one that there is power in that whatever that word is that we put behind I am our mm-hmm. words are very powerful mm-hmm. um, but i I think tr- I think the second thing is you know come you know using your passion like what am I passionate about and what are my have been my biggest struggles because I think I think that generally whatever my biggest like you know, thorn in my side or whatever phrase we want to use, that generally I think does turn into a passion because we know what it's like to be on the other side of where we are now. And we want to help get people from where I used to be to where I am now. And it, and it be, you know, cause, and I think those end up being like the best, kind of like the best leaders in the military, are those who lost rank. And, yeah. and I lost rank, but I, that doesn't mean I'm, was it the best of leaders? But um, just saying, uh, <laughs> but like I, you know, just like I think the best leaders in the military are the ones who probably lost rank once or twice before. The mm-hmm. the best counselor, social worker, is the person who has been where that patient is, 
So I think you're going to be impacting lives forever. And if you're not sitting down with a patient, you're running 100 miles in honor of another person. I, I just I think what you're doing is awesome. I really thank you do. So much. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate so maybe it. Maybe I'll be like you when I'm as old as you. Oh, wait. Oh, shoot. Dang it. <laughs> I forgot we're the same age. <laughs> oh, are we? Oh, cool. That's yeah, good yeah. Age. I mean, I'm 47, so right. maybe a year from now I'll be like you. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. I the whole, reason, the whole reason why I wanted to do this series is for the reason that you said for about you is I am tired of this, you know, my little soapbox is this. I'm tired of the 22-a-day thing for suicide. Yeah. I am tired of, you know, veterans being... Um, you know, synonymous with broken people. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, their veterans are broken, but no more broken than anybody else in the world today. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, and I'm, so I'm tired of the suicide thing. We can talk about 22 a day, uh, 22 veterans a day die by suicide, but if we're not doing anything about it, why are we talking about it? You, know, we got to do. What can we do about it? Same thing with uh, you know, physical assault, sexual assault, homelessness. Like all these things that we talk about, but we aren't doing anything about. I, I just, I thought, what, what can I do about it? And you know, and you know what? I don't have a degree. I don't, I'm not a, a sort of certified counselor of any kind, but if I can find people who are willing to talk about whatever their vice is and say, here's what my vice is. Here's where it took me the long path. It took me down. Here's how I got the help that I need. Then that one person can hear you talk about your struggle with alcohol, somebody else's struggle with who contemplated suicide a number of times, and then to put those episodes out there for people to hear, like, that's that's the only thing that I can do to contribute to a solution, is to that's put it. people's stories out there for others to hear. <clears throat> yeah. Just so share that's it. what I want to do. You're doing it, sharing your passion and your energy and your life experience, and that's huge. And then mm-hmm. also, like, giving people the permission to be vulnerable by being vulnerable ourselves. So yeah. It's not, and it's not easy to be vulnerable, but my experience has been, much like I believe I read Brene Brown talks about it, is like, when I'm vulnerable and I let my guard down, people relate to it because they mm-hmm. see themselves in me. And then yeah. they, and then it becomes like, uh, we get more connected, mm-hmm. you and I, and also the listeners, because mm-hmm. uh, I know Chris at, at a level. I know Chris like Chris knows Chris now. Yeah. You know? And then uh, when I let people know, like, what's going on inside me and I'm vulnerable about it, I become more comfortable in my skin. Because mm-hmm. I just said all this stuff that most people would be like, dude, I can't believe he's talking about that. <laughs> you know? yeah. like, this is like, these are shameful things or whatever. And like, I'm putting it out there. And now like, hey, you know what? The the world didn't burn down around me. I'm still doing good. Everything's great. So mm-hmm. I'm more comfortable in my skin. Let's drive on. You know? Yeah. And, and that's saying, why. Like, everybody needs to do that. But if you can, if you can, it's it's helpful. Yeah. I mean, then that's why. So even before I started recording for that series, I thought before I can honestly, legitimately ask somebody else to put their junk out there, I need to do the same thing. So I recorded an episode, and I thought nobody's going to listen to this episode of just me sharing my story. But I looked at it, and I had like 78 listens. I was like, oh, my gosh. 
78 yeah. people listened to me share my story. And it was a story of, like you said, things that can be embarrassing. But I talked about how I was homeless for 13 months, lived mm-hmm. in my car and in a, in a storage unit, lost everything out of my storage unit because I couldn't make the payments on it, lost my car, um, mm-hmm. you know, self-admitted to a psych ward and stayed in this psych ward for like 30 days. Mm-hmm. Like, Stuff that so many people would be like, dude, that's embarrassing. Like, why are you going to let the whole world know about that? I'm like, because I'm certainly not the only person that has experienced these things. Absolutely. And yeah, so, and we're as and we're as sick as our secrets, right? That's another. Yeah. Like, I have all these sayings: we're as sick as our secrets. And you taking that out and taking it out of the closet and putting it into the light, like shame dies there. Like, mm-hmm. there's there, you shame has a hard time living in the same place where you openly talk about the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So you have nothing to be ashamed about. You've had yeah. you've had tremendous life experience, and I think what you're doing is very valuable and I am and commendable. So keep well, it. I appreciate that, Chris. I mean, I I really do, and and I can I can honestly say that like my motives are nothing. It's not like my motives are really. It's nothing about me, but rather, and I imagine it's the same for you that it's not about me and my crap and my junk. Um, but like, hey. I made it to this side of my crap and I still have crap I'm dealing with. But if I made it this far, so can you. And not telling anybody it's going to be easy, but you can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's commendable stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, I hope you have an awesome Monday. Yeah, it's Monday. Yay! Since you're already there before I am. Yeah, I'm literally coming to you from the future. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so that means that means yeah it's uh like a little after like uh, eight fifteen so sunday yes. night yeah so when seven. i go to bed and then i wake up i'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you tell me my fortune for the day right right What's what does happen? monday hold for me on august 1st first uh, i don't know how your weather's gonna be it looks like it's gonna rain here <laughs> probably is i was gonna be here too because it's been like that the past couple of days but yeah. Anyway, thanks a lot, Chris. I really do appreciate it. I really do. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Well, take care. And I'll I'll probably send you a message on LinkedIn to let us you know how, like, about when it's going to come out. But it's going to be within the next couple of weeks. That sounds um, good. For sure. So, awesome. All right, All right. All right. Take care of yourself. Yeah, you too. All right. Bye. Thank you. Have a nice day. Thank you. And have a nice day.